Church. Thanks for listening in. We exist as a church to connect people to the heart of God and to a family within the church. And we believe that Jesus is the way. We hope this message blesses you and gives you hope today. Man, downtown Little Rock. Y'all know how to worship God in this place. That was annoying. Can we give it up for this worship team? Uh, I came up and got to pray for uh, James just a second ago, and he just came up and apologized to me for being sweaty. It was like, man, I wish we sweat more in Conway, all right, when we worship God. Uh, that, was, uh, that was a cool moment. Listen, uh, for those of you who don't know, I, I, my name is Hunter. I, I do get the honor of uh, being a friend of Bronson and Callie, but my wife and I, who didn't get to be here this morning, we get to pastor at our Conway location, uh, which is just right down the road. Uh, we get to do ministry uh, alongside you guys. But before I get into this message, uh, I just wanted to brag on your pastors for a second. I know that you probably have a bunch of different people that come in here and tell you guys uh, that they're good pastors. Well, I want to tell you how great of people they are. And uh, these are, this is family to me. These are some of the best friends I've ever had in my life. But I just want you guys to know that I don't know if I've ever met anybody that is as wise and as genuine and full of integrity as Bronson Duke is. This man, when he calls me and he talks to me about it, there is nothing that he doesn't want to talk to me about. He doesn't ever try to paint a picture for me of how great he's doing. He is going to get real. And I just want you guys to know that I've seen God use him over and over again. If I was looking for a church to go to, I would be a part of this church because I have seen behind the scenes uh, with Bronson and with Callie. And, uh, and if you're thankful for your pastors, would you guys give it up for them right now in the front row? I love you guys so much. Uh, y'all, are, y'all are really good people. But um, for those of you who do not know my family, uh, I did bring a quick little picture of them. And uh, they're right there in the back. Uh, listen, I, 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 love, I love my family. I've got two amazing boys. Jack is the one in front of me. He's five years old. And then uh, Bo's the one uh, who's never quite along for the ride. And uh, he's always, he's always kind of standing off to the side in, every, in everything we do. This week, uh, we, we took him to the pool. And, uh, and, and Jack, his older brother, is learning how to dive right now, okay? And, uh, and so Bo thinks, well, naturally, if he can do it, I'm going to do it. And every single time, it's a belly flop, okay? And every time, I'm such a bad dad. Every time he gets up out of the water, buddy, you did so good. Do it again, okay? <laughs> because it, it brings so much joy to me. But then right, ne- right next to me is the love of my life, uh, Katie Bezet. Uh, she is my sugar mama, and uh, she was actually she was actually my dad's assistant, and uh, and uh, she was my dad's assistant for seven years. I still tell people I'm sleeping with my dad's assistant, and uh, okay, uh, so hopefully there's no kids. Don't ask your parents. Um, all right, but I got. I love my family. I'm so thankful for them. And Bronson, when he called and he asked me to speak to you guys, he asked me to share a little bit of my testimony, and. Uh, and that's, it's always kind of it's always kind of hard for me because the part uh, of of my life that you may not know is that my dad is Rick Bezet, and uh, and so I have uh, been a pastor's kid my whole life. Uh, really, the reality is um, that I've lived a very good life. I've been very blessed. 
okay? And then there's a couple of seasons in my life where I feel like God has instilled some things in me that I, I, I want to share with you. But uh, before I do, I want to tell you a quick story that happened this last week. Uh, my boys, uh, we come home, uh, we, were, we were out at church last weekend, you know, uh, when you're at church, uh, as a pastor's kid, they're there for a really long time. They get home. They're so excited that they get to get home and play with all their toys. And so we send them uh, to play with their toys in the playroom. And they're playing in the room. And all of a sudden, Katie and I start hearing more noises than we're used to hearing from this room. And it doesn't sound that great. And I walk into my boy's room. And, uh, and they have emptied every tub every crate, uh, everything from their closet. I didn't know they could climb to the top of the closet. They can, okay? They climbed, emptied everything out of the room. This room, there is about two feet worth of stuff across the entire room. I didn't even have the heart to call my wife to tell her what was going on. Little I know she was right behind me, okay, boiling, okay, because she's looking into my boy's room. All right, now I'm looking at them. What are you doing? What are you doing, Jack? And Jack looks at me. He's the, he's the future lawyer. And, uh, and he walks up to me and he says, uh, well, listen, Dad, we had a problem. Okay? And uh, I was like, you're about to, all right? And, uh, and he said, Dad, we had a problem. We're making this car right here. You see, Dad, we're making this car. And I couldn't find a good steering wheel. So we looked through everything, okay? And, and I was like, well, did you find one? He said, no, now we're going to your room. I said, no, you're not. No, you're not, son. No, no, you're not. You're picking up everything in this room before you do anything else, okay? Like I'm, I'm looking at it. I know they're having fun. I know they're, I know they're enjoying life. They're just being kids. But it reminds me of this verse in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. It says that many are the plans in a man's heart but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You know, I was, I'm, I'm Jack and Bo's dad, so I'm looking at them like, what are you thinking? But I wonder how many times in our life God is looking at us thinking the exact same thing. Okay, like, what is going on? What are you doing? You, do you realize the amount of work that you've caused yourself? My boys were in that room cleaning up for hours. Okay, it took, they kept calling me, Daddy, we're done. Okay, walk in, there's toys everywhere. I'd open up a closet door, toys would fall. No, you're not done. Okay, it caused so much work for them. But how often do we find ourselves doing the same thing? You know, my, my, my sermon title this morning was supposed to be True Freedom. Um, and I, I think I've got to stick with that because we're in the 21st century and I've given them all my notes. Okay, but we, when we were singing that last song, I, I started thinking about what I really was, what I'm trying to say is how to build a firm foundation on God. Now, what does that mean? Okay, how do we know when we have a firm foundation? How do we know when we're off? About 10 years ago, um, I was going through a season where I was further from God uh, than I had ever been. And it was really in large part my fault. Okay, I had uh, told you guys I've been raised as a pastor's kid, and um, I love being a pastor's kid, but gosh, man, it was, uh, 
Uh, it, it, it was interesting. And, uh, and you know, you go, to, you go to church, you're there before everybody. Like, well, my kids are experiencing now, okay? You're there before everybody, you're there after everybody. Everybody expects you to be a certain way, say a certain thing, dress a certain way, think a certain way. And, uh, and I had finally, I had had enough of it. Okay, so for like about a, for a season of about a year in my life, I lost everything that I thought um, I was supposed to have. Like in, within a year, I, I got fired from my job. Um, my, my car broke down. My parents kicked me out of the house. And, uh, and finally, this is a true story, I, I found myself living uh, in a barn in the middle of Podunk, Arkansas. Okay, I'm, I'm, and it's not like one of those fancy millennial barns, okay? It was like, <laughs> it was a barn. No air conditioning. The horses were right next to me. It was a barn. And, uh, and so I, like that, that, this is the season that I had found myself in. But then uh, one day I finally like, got this phone call from a friend of mine. He said, Hunter, I got a job for you. You're going to have to run something to Oklahoma City and back, and I'll pay you really good. Okay, so I, I, I go to Oklahoma City, and I'm on my way back. I'm about five minutes away from finally making it home, home sweet home to my barn. And, uh, okay, and, and right before I get behind this car on an old country. Anybody in here from the country? Okay, all right. When, when you're from the country, or at least you think you are, you think that certain speed limit rules and passing rules don't apply to you, okay? And so I'm coming up behind this car that's going, it's going the speed limit, but everybody knows it's a ridiculous speed limit, okay? So I pass him on a double yellow line, and I'm, I'm hauling. I'm on a big dually truck, and I'm so impressed with my NASCAR skills. And, uh, and this car starts trying to chase me, okay, down behind me. Man, he's challenging my manhood, okay? And so, so I really gun it at that point. Well, I am just about to get out of uh, eyesight of this car, and all of a sudden, I see a little strip of blue lights hanging from the rearview mirror. Yeah, I was running from the cops, okay? And so I pull over to the side. This cop gets out of the car. Says, sir, sit on the curb. Your truck's gone. I'm thinking, I'm I'm not sitting on the curb, okay? Uh, and, uh, and so I'm standing there on the side of the road. Everybody's passing me by. It's a small town. Everybody knows who I am. He looks at my driver's license. And he said, son, are you Rick Bezet, son? I said, do I have to be? <laughs> he, he, said, he said, I want you to call your dad right now. I hadn't talked to my dad in months. And uh, I was running like crazy from him. And I remembered. I don't even know how I knew. Uh, but my dad was out of the country. And so I told him, I said, sir, uh, I can't call him. My, dad, my, my dad's not even in the country. He said, okay, that's fine, that's fine. Call your mom then. Said, that's worse, bro. <laughs> and, uh, and so I called my sweet mom. My mom comes and picks me up. And up until this point, I thought I was getting away with the lie. Okay, like I thought I was getting away. Like I had sold my parents on the fact that I was doing better without them. I didn't need their help in my life. Uh, I didn't need God. I was happy. Even though I was miserable, I thought I still had that, that, that thing going on for me. Okay, but then my mom comes and picks me up. And it's at that moment she's going to realize. I know she's going to realize. My car's broken down. Obviously, I just got pulled over by the cops. Obviously, I'm in big trouble there. But she's also about to drop me off at my five-star barn. And she's going to see what's really going on. And my mama, we, we, we drove in complete silence. 
And uh, when she finally gets there and she drops me off, she looks at me and says something to me that I'll never forget. She says, wow, Hunter, you must know that God loves you like crazy. And I'm looking, have you seen my barn? Do you, what are you talking about, mom? Like I, I got out, I said some things to my mom in that moment. Uh, I still regret to this day. I know I hurt her. Slammed the door, got out, and started thinking through why, what, how does God love me right now? All I'm trying to do is just prove myself. All I'm trying to do is just live my life. God, how does God love me? And I, I remember going into that barn and thinking through Man, my mom doesn't know what she's talking about. I don't know what God wants from me, but I'm sick of this. I am never going to church again. And within 24 hours, my whole life was going to be completely different than that statement. But I want you, I want to pause right here and I want to say something to you. Jesus, he did not come and die on a cross so that you and I can live average, mediocre, ordinary lives where we are struggling to get through each and every day, not understanding the purposes that God has for us. He has a plan for us, and he wants us to be able to carry out this plan that he has for us. Sometimes the biggest thing that gets us in the way is our decisions and our problems. And what my mom was trying And I now know what she was trying to tell me that day was that the Bible actually talks about how God disciplines those he loves. And God knew what he was doing. He was trying to get a hold of me. He was trying to get my attention. And I was doing everything I I could to try to act like I was okay without him. But you see, Jesus, he just wants us to be free. He just wants us to live a life like Bronson was talking about, us to understand that we are no longer uh, apart from him. But even as Gentiles, we are welcomed into his family. And it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I want to real quick this morning... Uh, talk through this character in the Bible named Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. Hey, Gideon, uh, he, he, was, he was this man who, he had some issues going on in his life. I'm, I'm going to tell you um, about some of them. And if you want to follow along with me, you can turn to Judges chapter 6. Uh, I'm really going to be kind of going through ch- ch- uh, chapter 6 uh, all the way to uh, chapter 8. Uh, and uh, as we're going through this story, about Gideon. Uh, But at the end of Gideon's life, he was one of the most powerful, well-renowned, known leaders in Israel's history. Okay, like in all of the Old Testament, uh, Gideon is one of the more talked about people because of what he did, uh, because of the ways uh, that he was able to follow God. But where this story picks up in Judges chapter 6, you're going to see a very different type of man. Okay, you're going to see somebody who doesn't really understand who God is, where faith is in his life. And he was in a rut until God 
started to get a hold of him, very similar to my story. Number one, if you're taking notes, something I think we can learn from Gideon, is that God's plan is the key to unlocking freedom in our life. God's plan, okay? If you want to underline something, underline God's plan. Look, when, here's an obvious statement. When you are in a trap, your potential is trapped as well. In fact, it may even seem like you have no potential in your life. Look, if you're, if you're in here and you're thinking, Hunter, I, I have no purpose. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Okay, everything is intimidating to me right now. What am I? Look, when you are in a trap, it will seem like God does not have a purpose for your life. But I promise you it is not true. Judges chapter 6 verse 11 says that the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. I love, I love this verse, okay, because when you know the context of what is being talked about, the, uh, the Bible really can be funny, okay? And, uh, and this, this story... Uh, you leave it up there for a second. Uh, if you were a Hebrew from back in this day and you read this, you would both want to cry and laugh because of how idiotic Gideon is being in this story. What's really going on, if, and I know these are a lot of terms that we don't use in today's language, but what's going on when he's threshing wheat? Is this is just a process of cleaning wheat. Okay, so what you would do is you would take wheat and you would throw it up in the air. And when you throw it up in the air, the wind would come through. It would take all the dirt. It would carry the dirt away. Okay, and then the wheat would come back down and be a little bit cleaner. All right, and you keep doing that a bunch of different times. Eventually, either the wheat is worth more to sell at market or it's clean enough for you to then take it inside, grind it, uh, and make bread out of it. All right, so those were the two, uh, those were the two purposes behind somebody threshing wheat. Here's the problem. Gideon is doing this in a wine press. I have been to a wine press in Israel. If you do not know, it is a hole in the ground. If you have ever been in a hole in the ground, there is not a whole lot of wind down there. Okay? And so what Gideon is doing is he is taking this wheat and he is throwing it up in the air, hoping that wind will come through, which there is none, and then everything is coming right back down to the ground. So he has found himself in this monotonous, uh, repetitive uh, cycle of accomplishing nothing in his life, doing busy work, and probably being frustrated at uh, what is going on in his life. The Bible's clear. The reason he is doing this down in this wine press is because of his fear. His fear was of the Midianites. But I think that all of us can relate to this when we start to think about what are some things in our life that we allow fear to dictate. Okay, that we allow fear to keep us in a hole in the ground instead of having the faith that is needed. Sometimes we even find ourselves having God show up in our life. And speak things. Maybe you're reading the Bible one day and you see, and this verse, it speaks directly to me. This is so good. But then we walk away and we realize, well, hold on. I don't know if I can do that. What will my boss think? What will my spouse think? What will my kids, what will my friends think? You know what? Never, not, never mind. Maybe later. Look, Gideon was caught up in a meaningless and a pointless 
life. How many of us are there as well? Judges 6.12 says that this angel shows up, though, and has a word for Gideon. And this word is uh, that the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay, let's rewind. It's a guy in a hole in the ground, threshing wheat, doing nothing, afraid to even be seen by the Midianites. And now God is showing up and calling him a mighty warrior. What does this mean? This means that God will never show up and call us into something that is comfortable. Okay, when God shows up and he speaks something over our life, almost always it is an uncomfortable level of faith that we need to have in order to believe what he is saying. Also, when God shows up and speaks something over our life, it may not be what we are now. It may be what he has created us to be. Okay, so you might look at some things that you feel like God is teaching you or asking you to do, and you'll be like, God, I'm not there. God, you, you don't know what you're talking about. God knows exactly what he's talking about. He's speaking some things over you. God never sees us stuck. He doesn't see us in a hole, even if we are in a hole. He sees us as the warriors we are, as what he has created us to be. I dare for you to ask God, God, what do you see in my life? God, what do you see for me? Uh, What do you see for me in my workplace? What do you see for me in my school? What do you see for me in my family? Because right now I'm having a hard time seeing it, and I need you to help me see what your plan is and then help me to have the faith to get there. Number two, God's plan is bigger than your imagination. God's plan is bigger than your imagination. Judges chapter 6, verse 14. It says, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Look again. Now he's called him a mighty warrior. Now he's telling this guy who's afraid of the Midianites in a hole in the ground. Now I'm actually calling you out to go and conquer these people. He never calls us into what is comfortable. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 9 says, However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Back to my barn story. Uh, my, mom, my mom drops me off and she says, Hunter, I hope you know how much God loves you. That verse is actually found in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12. It says, For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. As mad as I was in that moment, I could not stop thinking about it. Any parents that might be in here and you are struggling with a child who might be going wayward, I want to encourage you with something. Speak the word over them. You speak it in your private time when you're praying, but also speak it to them even if they're unwilling to listen because the word of God is active and it is living and it penetrates. They may not understand it when you say it, but I promise you it's going to work. Like that moment is still with me to this day. And I go back into my barn and I'm laying there over the next several hours. I start to realize 
and find God revealing to me just how far I've fallen. In an effort to have true freedom, in an effort to set up my own foundation in my life, I have found myself further from God, further from joy, further from happiness than I have ever been. And as I'm laying there, I find myself having a conversation with God of, God, I'm done. I don't, I'm done running. I don't, I don't know how, will you take me back, God? Of course his answer is yes, but like, I had, I had fallen that far from him. I'd felt that disgrace. I'd forgotten that he loves us unconditionally. And then I knew in that moment that I was supposed to be in ministry. And so I, okay, God, I, I don't see it. I'm in a hole in the ground. Uh, I'm not living my life right, but I will do whatever you ask of me. And I called, I, I was too afraid to call my dad, okay? Like still, all right? I was like, God can only do so much. You know? All right, like, I was like, I was, I, was still, I was still a little fearful, all right? So I called, I called the next best thing, I called my grandmother. And uh, I said, hey, hey, great grandma, uh, I'm hungry. I need, a, I need a place to sleep with air conditioning. Can I come to your house? I go over to my grandma's house. I hadn't eaten that good in so long. She, uh, she took care of me. She brought me like water with ice in it. Okay, it was, it was a cool moment. And, uh, and I told my grandma everything that had been going on in my life. And, uh, and she said, Hunter, you're going to church with me tomorrow. And I went to church the next day, and I felt the presence of God like I hadn't felt it before. And it was that day that I felt like God whispered to me, Hunter, if you love me and you follow me, I will be with you all the days of your life. Okay, God, I'm yours. It was 10 years ago now. I started going to church again. I started reading my Bible again. I started feeling like, man, God is with me. And what was so cool, when we start talking about how God's plan is bigger than our imagination, I want to tell you guys something. It wasn't too much longer uh, after uh, uh, God spoke this over me that I started getting into ministry. And I, I went into junior high ministry. I went into youth ministry. But then my dad asked me one day to go and be the campus pastor in Greenbrier, Arkansas. What you don't know about my story is that that barn was in Greenbrier, Arkansas. I ended up moving into a house where I drove past that barn every day. It's like God had set it up as an altar. Here you can, this is where you're at, Hunter, when you're fighting for yourself. And this is where you can be when you let me fight for you. Okay, when you follow the promises that I have for you. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit up here and say, man, in the last 10 years of me doing ministry has been the easiest thing that I've ever done. But I've kept being able to come back to this promises from God because even in my darkest moment, God was working on something for me in my future that was way beyond my imagination. Even in your darkest moment, God can be working on something that you may not see, but he sees it, he's working on it, and he's got a plan for your life. Number three. God's powerful plan will help you overcome your excuses. Bronson, I don't know how long. How long do I have? Okay, I'm going to keep going. 
Uh, all right. God's powerful plan will help you overcome your excuses. Judges chapter 6, verse 15. After all of these things that God says to Gideon, first thing Gideon wants to talk about is his excuse. He says, but Lord, but God, I don't know if you know who I am. God knows. But God, you don't know. You don't know. Like I am the least. My tribe is the least. I am the least. I am. I do not. Do you not see where I am, God? And God's looking at him. Yeah, I've seen you since I created you in your mother's womb. I have a plan for you. It's for you to prosper. I have a plan for you to be able to, for you to be able to conquer these Midianites. For you to be able to lead your people. You just have to have faith in me. I wonder how many of us, every time God sends us something, sends us revelation, the first thing that we want to talk about is our excuses. You might want to write this down. In your life, you are either going to define your life by your excuses or by your faith. Okay? Because I can come up with an excuse to get out of anything in my life. I'm not, I'm, I'm sleepy, okay? Uh, I'm not, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready for that yet, God. I, I, I don't know, I, I made some mistakes yesterday. But I have seen the most unassuming people, both in the word and with my own eyes, accomplish more than they ever thought possible when they decide to put faith in front of them instead of their excuse and say, you know what, God, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't have any idea why there are 6,000 promises here in your word, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to stand on them and I'm going to let you speak this over my life and I'm not going to allow my excuses to keep me from doing what you have for me. You look at the Bible and you see all these examples. Like Think about the excuses that Abraham could have had. God approaches Abraham when he's 100 years old, 100, and says, hey, Abraham, I got a plan for you. I'm going to start an entire nation out of your bloodline. It's time for you to have kids. (laughs) Abraham, what was he thinking? God, actually, we know. The Bible says, Abraham looks at God and says, God, God, do you not know I'm 100 years old? My wife is 90. The Bible actually describes her as being as good as dead. Okay, <laughs> That's real. That's what I told you all. The Bible's funny, all right? Okay, like that is in there. Uh, and yet God says, no, don't tell me your excuses. I'm going to show you what I can do. Look, God has showed up time and time again. It's time for us to have faith that he can show up for us. Okay, number four. Last one, God's promise is way bigger than your problem. Judges chapter 6, verse 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all of the Midianites, leaving none alive. Look, it's one thing to hear a promise. I said it a second ago, there are 6,000 promises 
in here. You can read them. I can read them to you. You can hear every single one of them. But it is something totally different to believe it and declare it over your life. When we start to declare the promises of God, there is power in them. There is nothing that can defeat a promise of God. He is uh, the Alpha and the Omega. There is nothing that can withstand a faith of God's promises. I want to close with this story. I told you guys that I ended up moving to Greenbrier. And uh, right before Katie and I decided to move there, we were youth pastors. And, um, man, we were... We were so excited about being youth pastors. It was like some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. It's like every day I just wake up and think, all right, how can I get these kids to love God and have more fun at my house than anywhere else in Conway? Okay, And that's, that's, how, I, that's how I operated. But then one day my dad comes to me and says, Hunter, I want you to pray about being this campus pastor. I, I don't know. God, I don't know if that's what I want to do. And I love what I'm doing right now. And said, but I know that you promised me if I love you, if I follow you, you will be with me all the days. If this is where you're leading, God, I'm going to pray about it. It just so happened that um, about a month later, somebody had blessed Katie and I with going to Israel. And uh, like one of the coolest trips I've ever done. And we kind of decided to ourselves, man, we're going to take this time to pray and to fast and decide if this is what we're going to do. So we, we're like, we're just, we're so giddy. We're, we're, we're going on this trip together. Uh, we've always wanted to go over uh, to Israel and we're on the flight over there. And I, I don't want to get too detailed, but on the flight over to Israel, the young baby that we had just found out the week before Katie was pregnant with, she had a miscarriage. And so now all of a sudden, like what we thought was this promise from God, like this fulfillment, like nothing can get any better. We're questioning everything. Now all of a sudden we're thousands of miles away from home. Uh, We have no friends with us. We're going through one of the hardest things we've ever gone through. We don't understand why this is happening. And uh, this thing that just like 24 hours before we felt like was the greatest gift now seems to be the biggest curse. And I remember having a conversation with God when we got to the hotel room that night. God, I don't understand. I thought if I followed you, you'd be with me. I thought if I followed you, you'd go before me. And I felt that night sadder, more distraught than I've ever felt. The next morning I woke up, and I get this is cheating a little bit, and Katie and I watched the sunrise on the Sea of Galilee. And I'm praying to God, God, what is going on? And I felt him wrap his arms around me and say, Hunter, I am going before you. It's time for you to have faith, no matter what you're going through. Look at the harvest. 
Look at what I put in front of you. I'll take care of the rest. Okay, God. We walked out of that hotel room that morning, Katie and I, with a totally different outlook on life. We were going to pastor these people. We're with a bunch of people, like 50 and older, that we'd never met before in our life. We were youth pastors. But you know what, God? I'm going to pastor. I'm gonna, this is who you sent. We have, I still text and message people on that trip all the time. It's some of the most amazing relationships. We came back home, and we knew that God was calling us to go to Greenbar, Arkansas. Here's what I want to tell you. That next week, we went to the doctor. And they told us, you definitely lost the baby. And two weeks after that, we were back in the doctor's office. And they were telling us that we were pregnant again. The doctors could not explain it. They told us that she had had a miscarriage at the same time she was pregnant. Like God was working on something that did not make sense to us. Okay, like in that moment, and I'm not for one second saying that God caused us to have that miscarriage. Okay, I, I don't know the reason for everything that happens in this life, but I know that God was working on a plan. And there might be some things in your life, you're like, Hunter, you don't know what's going on with me. You don't know what I'm dealing with. And I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that God's caused any of it. But I will boldly say, you have no idea what he's working on behind the scenes. He's got a plan for your life. And it might be time for you to pick up your faith again and remember. If you would, please bow your heads all around the room. Look, I, I know I don't know really any of you. I'm not your pastor. You have already talked about it. One of the best ones I know. But there might be right now in this moment an opportunity for you to have a conversation with God. Say, God, have I lost my faith? God, have I, have I taken my eye off the prize? Have I forgotten what you promised me in my life? Have I allowed some things to creep in and take over? Things that I thought were gonna make me happy, but now I've found myself further than I've ever been. Maybe you're in here and you would say, you know what, Hunter? I just need my faith again. Look, I just need to be able to wake up and declare God's promises over my life. I need to remember them and I need to believe them for the future. And I'm gonna pray for you. But you also might be in here and what you're realizing in this moment is that you need a relationship with God again. You've forgotten. You've forgotten how to love him. You've forgotten how to have a relationship with him. You've just kind of drifted away from the things of God. You need to fall in love with him again. You need to see and understand the promises that he has spoken over your life. Maybe for the first time ever. If any of that is you, I just want you to know our God sees you. He's there for you. He's not disappointed in you. He is ready on the edge of his seat. 
He believes in you. He believed in Gideon when he was in a hole in the ground. He can believe in you in whatever your circumstances are. And if you're in here and you say, you know what, Hunter, I need some, I need some faith. I need to believe in God again. I need a real relationship with God again. I want to pray for you if that's you all around the room. Would you just raise your hand up so I can pray for you? I got you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I got you. I see you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Okay, you can put your hands down. Father, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I know that we all go through seasons where we struggle. And right now, there's several people in this room who just raised their hand and said, you know what? God, I need some of that faith. Lord, I pray that you would be with them, that you would go before them. Father, that you would remind them of the precious son or daughter that they are. Lord, if there's anyone in this room who has had a family member and has gone astray, that they're believing would fall in love with you again. Father, I just pray that you would be with them. Help the parents that might be in this room. Help them to have faith when they pray. Father, I pray that their, their prayers would be emboldened in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would put on their hearts verses, Lord God, that would speak into the, their kids' situation. And Father, I thank you that at any point we can turn our eyes and look towards you, Lord God. Remember who you are and who we're not. Surrender our lives to you. And we pray. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. I pray that this message that you just listened to helps you and assists you in your journey with Jesus. And if you want to get connected in our church, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock.